This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I'm Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of the Sentinel Fort in Washington, D.C. Check out that website, districtsentinel.com. Subscribe at patreon.com slash districtsentinel for bonus content, haikus, maybe t-shirts, sponsorships, studio naming rights, all that stuff. The power has been restored in the newsroom, allowing us to do a show for you today. It was, it was close for a while. We, we weren't thinking about it because uh, you just don't put faith in Pepco, the, the local power company. No. Is it Pepco or Exelon? It's Pepco. It's Pepco. Is it owned by Exelon? Is it a subsidiary of Exelon? I don't know how it works. Whatever. It's Pepco. I just pay it, it every sucks. month. It's a monopoly. For some reason, we would rather have a corporate monopoly than a publicly owned, uh, municipally owned utility. Yeah. For some reason, we got to we got to make some shareholders some money, evidently, and uh, sometimes that means fucking up the power. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people have asked uh, for some information on what's going on in France, uh, if we were going to have a guest on. And we do have a guest booked for Monday of next week to give us sort of the rundown on the uh, riots that have been going on over there. Journalist Cole Stangler, who lives in Paris. Our guy on the ground in yes. Paris. We, we, we turn to Cole uh, on a number of things, uh, usually related to uh, Macron being terrible. Yeah, Cole, no Cole, Cole's good on labor, and he's good on France, and so it's the perfect time. Yeah, we're not going to get the neoliberal take on what's going on in no, France here. No. So uh, stay tuned for that. We're going to interview Cole on Monday. So Cole either, Stanglais. Yeah, that'll either come out Monday afternoon or Tuesday, depending on uh, when he's available, what time of the day he's available, and when we can turn that around and release it. So stay tuned for that. We also got a good Sentinel cast probably coming out. On, uh, I mean, coming out on Friday, yeah. interview with um, uh, about civil asset forfeiture and how crooked that has been. And uh, in one city in particular, you may have read the piece to which I am alluding and the city to which I'm referring. Uh, you're just going to have to wait and find out fully and get those uh, get those suspicions confirmed. Yeah. So we've got content in the pipeline coming out. That's going to be subscriber only content. So again. If you want to listen to that stuff, you're going to have to subscribe at patreon.com slash district sentinel. Michael Cohen sentenced to three years in prison today. <laughs> Just yeah. a few years ago, who would have thought this would have happened? But hey, Trump won the presidency and exposed all of his cronies, including himself, to lots of legal jeopardy here. Uh, and it seems like Cohen's the first one uh, in the inner circle here that has been sentenced to couple years in jail he's gonna at least be there probably a year year and a half the first i remember of michael cohen was that time he was on cnn and trump was down in the polls uh, in 2016 he was down in the polls and, and like basically every poll and and the anchor was pressing michael cohen about that fact and he was like he was like says who it's like you're down says who <laughs> the anchor was like says the polls all of them <laughs> and uh 
I, I think you all know what I'm talking about, but boy, does that seem like it was a long time ago. Yeah. All right. It's Wednesday, December 12th, 2018. Here's the news. The Senate any minute now is expected to hold a vote on a motion to advance a war powers resolution sponsored by Bernie Sanders and Mike Lee that would cut off U.S. involvement in the Saudi-led war against Yemen. It would do that within 30 days uh, if it was signed by the president and approved and all that stuff where, as I'm going to get into That's unlikely to happen. Uh, This was kind of a big deal earlier this month, though, when the bill cleared its first procedural hurdle. Uh, Actually, it was last month when 63 senators, Republicans and Democrats voted in support of the resolution. Since the bill is privileged under the War Powers Act, it only needs a simple majority for final passage. Still, there are forces both in the White House and Congress working to preserve steadfast U.S. support for the Saudi kingdom's war crimes. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell took to the floor earlier Wednesday, urging his colleagues to reject the War Powers Resolution. Instead, he wants lawmakers to support a separate, weaker resolution from Bob Corker that merely condemns the Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman for the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. Doesn't doesn't give a shit about all the Yemenis who are being massacred, no. does does he? Does no. Mitch McConnell let's or tread, Bob Corker? Let's Bob tread lightly on this issue, is what God. you're hearing uh, people like McConnell say. Also, in the House, Ro Khanna is still trying to get his own war powers resolution related to Yemen passed, and House Republican leadership keeps screwing him. Once again, the House Rules Committee took up Khanna's legislation and stripped it of its privileged status under the War Powers Act, effectively blocking further consideration of the resolution. They pulled a similar move last month. We reported on that. Then on Wednesday, the House narrowly approved that rule killing Khanna's bill. That rule was conveniently rolled up into consideration of the farm bill. This was a a bill that was going to pass with stronger numbers, but it only passed like 206 to 203 with a lot of members voting against it because it included uh, this rules resolution that prevented them from taking a vote on U.S. involvement in the illegal war in Yemen. Uh, that would have been a big deal. I remember the farm bill pa- uh, failed uh, for other reasons, I think, earlier this year when they yeah. when the House leaders tried to attach something to it. That that would have been something if that had failed. And quite frankly, it should have. It should have failed. Worth noting, if the Senate does pass this resolution today, it would be the first time in history the Senate voted to end an unauthorized war, which... Given how much war the U.S. has waged and how illegal a lot of those wars were and how unnecessary those wars were, that fact alone seems pretty sad. Can't believe the Billionaires Club, a.k.a. the United States Senate, has never stopped the war before. Mm. It's overdue. It's overdue. In other news about how Congress is sad, House Republicans scheduled a hearing today to bash proposals to raise the federal minimum wage. I say scheduled because the meeting never actually happened. Politico reported that Republican leaders scrambled to cancel the hearing because it was discovered one of their witness had ri- one of their witnesses had written viciously homophobic blog posts. Naturally, the witness in question was an economics professor, Joseph Sabia from San Diego State University. Did he blame hackers for this? (laughs) He didn't, actually. Uh, In 2002, Sabia wrote, quote, uh, oh, is that a Joy Reid reference? Yes. Okay, because her her post was also homophobic, wasn't it? Yeah, 
They were. <laughs> they weren't hers though. <laughs> they they weren't hers though. They were hackers. And MSNBC bought that. I guess. I guess Sabia should have should have taken that. Played the hacker card. Uh, he didn't. But either way, he said uh, then, "quote In gay sex, we have an activity that is clearly leading to disastrous health consequences. What rational person would engage in this sort of activity? There is only one solution. Let's tax it." Hey, don't knock it till you try it. <laughs> Uh, this is uh, this is this is the uh, rational uh, you know you, you really see how the, the the I'm the super rational economics dweeb uh, really dovetails into into the more authoritarian bullshit uh, right here this this is a great window into that awful awful world according to CNBC Californian Democrat Mark Takano called on Republicans to fully cancel the hearing instead of just postponing it. Takano noted that if the hearing does take place, it would be the only, the only hearing House Republicans will have held on the minimum wage since taking back the majority after the Tea Party midterm. The federal minimum wage is currently $7.25 per hour. It was last increased in 2009. Even now, if it did go up to $15 per hour, it would still lag well behind worker productivity. Fight for 15 by now should probably be you and me for 23. Moving right along now, since we didn't get any new subscribers overnight to read a haiku to, sign up, <laughs> patreon.com slash district sentinel. You'll, you'll catch more flies with, uh, with honey than vinegar. <laughs> Just say that. All right. There's new information about a story we've been following. This is yours. This is mine. I'm reading your story. You're here. reading my story. Not a bad start. Why don't you go ahead and take it away, though? I will take it away. There is new information about a story we've been following on the Trump administration's suppression of reporting by the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. As you might recall, the agency's student debt ombudsman resigned a few months ago, claiming the bureau quashed analysis critical of big banks. A few days ago, a FOIA request filed by a nonprofit revealed a beneficiary of this decision to be Wells Fargo. The study showed that Wells collected the highest average fee, almost $47 per year, on cards issued to students through agreements with colleges. And even though Wells held less than one in four of these types of student accounts, they generated about half of the fees that the financial industry squeezed out of the students, again, with help of their own colleges. These colleges should be looking out for these students, not hooking up banks with a, with, with a rich vein of fees to extract. While the CFPB was still being led by Obama appointee Richard Cordray, the Bureau did actually put out a useful report on how university administrators can protect the interests of their students by imposing terms on the agreements that they reach with banks. All of that information, however, disappeared from the report that was published under Cordray's successor, Mick Mulvaney. In previous years, the banks with the most service agreements with colleges were Bank of America and U.S. Bank. The former gave Mulvaney $20,000 while he was in Congress. The latter gave $5,000. The uh, nonprofit that filed the FOIA that uh, shed light on the uh, Wells Fargo reporting, Allied Progress, noted that Wells Employee Pack has given $12,000 yeah, $12,000, excuse me, to Mulvaney's congressional campaigns. Now, this might be a drop in the ocean in terms of money and politics in Washington, but earlier this year, while speaking before Wall Street lobbyists, Mulvaney revealed that he would make a point of speaking to bank lobbyists who gave money to his congressional campaign. He called it part of a decision-making hierarchy about who to meet with. 
The ex-South Carolina lawmaker is now back at his top White House aide position full-time as head of the Office of Management and Budget. Kathy Craninger, the current CFPB director, was confirmed by the Senate last week. There was another story I saw today that uh, employee morale at CFPB plummeted under uh, Mick Mulvaney. Yeah, I think that was also perhaps put out by Allied Progress, which has been been doing a lot of muckraking about uh, Mulvaney and the CFPB there. Finally, news of another aspect of the failed drug war, this one in Colombia. The Government Accountability Office conducted a review of the U.S. State Department's counter-narcotic assistance program. And not only is it failing on most accounts, but the department doesn't even know how bad it is because they're not evaluating their own efforts. Here's the bottom line, though. The U.S. has spent $10 billion since 1999 on countering drugs in Colombia. That's come in the form of eradication, interdiction, and encouraging other forms of development. However, despite all that spending and all those efforts, cocaine production levels tripled between 2013 and 2017 in Colombia. And that's despite the U.S. seizing hundreds of tons of the hundreds of tons of the drug and thousands of traffickers being arrested. GAO concludes, quote, available evidence indicates that U.S. supported eradication efforts in Colombia may not be an effective long term approach to reduce the cocaine supply. That's after we've spent 10 billion dollars. We've seen an almost identical scenario play out in Afghanistan, where the U.S. has spent billions to prevent the cultivation of poppy and the production of heroin, and yet production of the crop is higher than ever before. It's almost as though this is all by design, especially when you consider the defense contractors who perpetually make tons of money off of drug interdiction efforts. Anyways. It's like the uh, Bear Patrol episode of The Simpsons. If, if, you, if you've well, basically uh, the, uh, uh, the 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 Springfield, the town of Springfield, uh, a bear comes into the town for the first time ever, and so the townspeople freak out and get the mayor to start a bear patrol, mm. and then Homer says something like, ah, "I see the bear patrol is doing its job." And Lisa's saying, well, you've, you've got no proof for that. Uh, by that logic, I could say this rock is keeping away tigers. And so, mm. uh, and, and, and funny enough, the, the, the high taxes leading to the Bear Patrol uh, uh, lead the uh, policymakers of Springfield to blame it all on undocumented immigrants. Mm. So it's, it's, it's very, very timely about, uh, it, it's, it's timeless, I should say, because it's a 20-year-old episode. Anyway... Yeah. Simpsons Bear Patrol. (laughs) Good reference by me. It is. Yes, it was. GAO urged the State Department to undertake a comprehensive review of U.S. counter-narcotic approaches in Colombia to figure out what's working and not working because right now, this ain't it, Chief. That'll do it for the newscast today. Thank you for listening. And if you are one of the subscribers out there, thank you for subscribing as well, helping keep the lights on in the newsroom. Call the rant line 202-684-6108. Sponsors of the show include the Congressional Dish podcast hosted by Jen Briney. Find it at congressionaldish.com. Subscribe over at patreon.com slash district sentinel. Tomorrow we'll be bringing the live stream back for our subscribers. You won't want to miss that. Get some mouth cam action back. Tune in at 420 on Thursday. Until then, we're here in D.C. so that you don't have to be.